Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more. As I mentioned, Ronan Moyles is standing by in uh, the newsroom next door. Good morning to you, Ronan. Good morning, Joe. So, we have the latest info and latest figures uh, from the Public Health Emergency Team. Can you start with those figures? Yeah, I'll I'll just briefly run through those. So, uh, 20 uh, new cases of COVID-19 confirmed in Limerick yesterday evening. Um, The incidence rate here is now about um, half the national average. So, again things uh, still going in, in the correct direction for Limerick. Um, in total, a further of uh, 394 new cases reported nationwide yesterday and no new deaths. Um, I suppose just looking at most of the cases, 175 in Dublin, 34 in Kildare, 21 in Galway and 21 here in Mayo. But I suppose even with the good news on the figures, what you've been talking about um, there this morning about uh, the the vaccines has probably overshadowed all that today. Okay, and uh, we will just hear briefly from Professor Corina Butler. Now, as I said, there are a lot of acronyms and different organisations involved yeah. in all of this. Neffet being uh, one, uh, she is the chair of NIAC. They're the people responsible for this recommendation on immunisation and the use of the AstraZeneca vaccine, which she was speaking at the briefing as well last night. I think uh, we should focus on the fact that this has been an extraordinarily effective vaccine. Um, We only have to look to our near neighbour in the UK to see how the rates of infection have come down where it has been used in combination with the Pfizer vaccine such that they're beginning to able to open the economy. And we can know that the risks of COVID in, in fact in many of the age groups far, far, far outweigh any potential risk related to the vaccine. Professor Karina Butler there. So what else did we hear from her and uh, the others on AstraZeneca, which was the big story from yesterday, of course? Yeah, it was. I think um, with AstraZeneca, um, obviously, you know, it's uh, now not recommended for anyone under the age of 60. But you may have heard, uh, perf- uh, you may have heard Roland Glynn, excuse me, in, in our news bulletin there. And you, you played a clip with him there a moment ago that he's uh, a very much highlighting the fact that this probably makes it even more important now that people over the age of 60 take the AstraZeneca vaccine uh, when it is offered to them uh, to ensure that as many people as possible, um, you know, do get uh, that vaccine and get them as quickly as possible. Um, I Just a couple of other things that NIAC recommended um, that are uh, kind of interesting. So they also recommended that those aged over 60 uh, receive their second dose 12 le- weeks later after as scheduled, uh, those under 60 with very high risks or high medical conditions should also receive their second dose 12 weeks later as scheduled. However, they changed the advice that those under 60 years of age without a very high risk or uh, high risk medical condition uh, should have the scheduled interval between doses extended to 16 weeks. Now, that, they say, will allow them to further assess the benefits and risks um, as more evidence uh, becomes available so obviously it's something that there, there's an ongoing study here and hopefully with that new information, perhaps in a few weeks' time, they may be able to issue some sort of revised advice. But this is the situation, I would imagine, for, well, a number of weeks now. Yeah, and it's quite 
clear that Ronan Glynn and others yesterday didn't want to go near the obvious question here. Does this mean that it, the rollout will be affected in terms of its timeline? And does that mean that we'll have to live with the restrictions we're under for even longer? I suppose that's going to become more apparent over the next few days. But common sense would tell you that it's going to have some effect. If you look at 600 even in uh, the Radisson Hotel already being deferred uh, for today. Um, and uh, there were exceptions as well. Uh, you know, we knew from uh, politicians, uh, especially members of the government, they did warn that when mandatory hotel quarantine was brought in, it would bring a lot of problems. And uh, I think, have we had 11 trips to the High Court or 11? Uh, I think it's 11. I think, it 11? I think yeah. it's 11. I think there's another one in this morning. Um, I, I mean, anyway, so, but there are some exceptions now to mandatory hotel quarantine. And it's interesting that it's around sport. And, you know, sport is very, very important um, and all of that. But you can, I suppose, sympathise with people who find themselves in mandatory hotel quarantine who don't happen to be elite sports people. That's true. I, I, would, I would actually mention on, on uh, the, the ones that, um, most of the ones that have gone in uh, to court, or a number of them at least, have actually been successful um, as well. So that's that's interesting, um, just surrounding the precedent that that um, sets. But yeah, sport, um, look, sport has been keeping an awful lot of people going, it has to be said. Um, it's It's kind of the one thing that throughout this whole... Uh, crisis that for most of it there has been at least you could turn on the TV and watch some sports so I suppose the worry about the mandatory hotel quarantine is that it would make it very very difficult you can imagine if a whole um, cohort it's not just you you know it's not just 15, 22 players it's the backroom staff and it's all the staff that go around that had to go into uh, quarantine it would really make it almost impossible um, to hold any sport here So what are they going to do instead? So what they're going to do instead is professional and elite athletes could receive an exemption from mandatory hotel quarantine under new plans uh, being worked on by the Departments of Health and Sport Now if that's signed off that will allow uh, France to travel to Dublin for example this weekend for the Women's Six Nations a match against Ireland, uh, while Leinster uh, could travel to La Rochelle at Ronald Garra's La Rochelle for the Heineken uh, Champions Cup semi-final as well in a couple of weeks. The Department of Sport uh, says they are engaging on that and uh, I think a decision will be made that by that maybe even today, if not today, tomorrow. And sticking with sport, Leinster Rugby have popped up <laughs> with a proposal around allowing their supporters back into the stadium, I think it's the RDS, is it? Or it is, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. Yeah, it's the RDS. Um, our, our friends at Leinster Rugby, our good friends at Leinster, um, have submitted plans to the government uh, to use rapid antigen testing to allow to return of spectators to matches at the RDS, as you say. Um, Leinster are seeking to uh, hold a trial match next month and say their proposal is approved by the IRFU. Um, so they've made, I, I suppose, some of the things that would happen there. Capacity will be uh, capped at around 2,000 spectators, just 11% of the normal uh, match take capacity. And then Leinster members would take part in a ballot to buy a pair of tickets and each attending pair of spectators would have to come from the same household. The antigen testing would take place uh, at the RDS and then spectators who had a negative test would be segregated into four separate zones of the stadium in groups of about 500. The Department of Sport have acknowledged that. They haven't, you know, really made said either way whether, whether it'll be possible. They said they look at it. But look, at, to be fair, if it works and if it's successful, it, it, it would allow other organisations and other teams and hopefully teams here maybe to follow a similar model. So, look, hopefully yeah. that will help. Absolutely. It has to start somewhere. Someone has to experiment with it. I suppose we just prefer if it weren't. Yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll have to get for on to no, Munster and ask no them why they... For no other reason yeah, yeah, pure yeah. prejudice. We'll have to get on to Munster now and demand, why didn't we think of this first? <laughs> What's going on up there? <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I should point out that we are still very much in lockdown and I was taken to task in a serious yeah, I way heard that. by Dr. Andy, yesterday, specialist in public health medicine. I'm glad she wasn't in the studio with me when I, when I suggested to her that maybe we're, we're on the road out of lockdown. Well, this is what she uh, said. There is absolutely no intimation, even from today's easing of restriction that we're done with lockdown. We are still in lockdown and we need to stay in lockdown until sufficient numbers of people are vaccinated that we know we can safely start to, to, to mix again as society. We are not done with lockdown. We are not we, Just because we can travel 20 kilometres rather than five and just because schools have reopened... It almost means that we need to be extra careful because there will be increased transmission now. So, no, we're not done with lockdown. Right, I almost locked myself into my room last night. I wouldn't blame you. No, but I mean, she's right, of course. She's she right. is, I mean, she's correct. Are, look, they, these are a very um, marginal leasing of restrictions. Although I have to say, Ron, I don't know what it was like for you coming in this morning, but the traffic this morning really was... I'm not going to say normal as in pre-pandemic, uh, but it certainly took me a lot longer to get in this morning than it would have in previous weeks. And I accept that some of that is schools back and, and obviously other things. But at the same time, we're being told that anyone who can work from home should continue to work from home. So I don't know. Anyway, listen, thank you very much for that latest update. Uh, AstraZeneca being the big story and it may not be the only bump along the road. I think uh, the experts are acknowledging all of that um, as well. And we'll keep you up to date on it. Call Limerick today now on 461995.